what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and across the computer screen for me today, we are not in the studio live. We are doing this remotely but across the computer screen on the other side of the video camera is Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this film. It's been in theaters for a little bit, but um, the film that we're going to talk about today, but I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it because I've kind of refrained from making comments. So I, I finally get to talk about the film with you. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So Chris was teasing the film Napoleon, which is what we'll be reviewing during the episode today. So uh, uh, we'll be discussing the latest film from director Ridley Scott, starring Joaquin Phoenix. It is the uh, historical drama Napoleon. That'll be our review. After we finish our review a little bit later in the show, we will also have a recommendation courtesy of Chris Fry, a film recommendation he'd like for you to check out. And I've got a film that I'm going to show a trailer for that I'm extremely curious about. I want to hear your thoughts on as well, Chris, about a uh, interesting production coming up in uh, the next few months that I knew nothing about until I saw this trailer was released. And now I'm very intrigued. So we will see those, both of those discussions later on in the show. But first we are here to talk about the film Napoleon. So Chris, you ready to go ahead and get into that, that discussion? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. I need to warn you, the storm is near. Napoleon is coming. In 86, Ridley Scott has had quite the filmmaking career. His early work includes films many consider classics, such as Alien, Blade Runner, and Thelma and Louise. He's no stranger to large-scale filmmaking with titles such as Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, and The Last Duel. Before Scott gives us Gladiator 2, he's unleashed the 158-minute epic Napoleon, which looks at the famous French military leader, his ruthless climb to power and volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine. What was your experience with Napoleon, Alan? And are you looking forward to Gladiator 2 based on it? Um, hmm. Uh, There's some hesitancy how to answer, here. How to answer that question. <laughs> I Look, I, um, all right, this is, this is basically exactly what you would expect it to be, in my, in my opinion. Uh, if you go into this, okay. okay, Ridley Ridley Scott got it. Check. Um, it's a historical drama about an ac- an actual historical figure. Yes, got it. It is a. Uh, it covers basically from him 
uh, as an upstart or a young soldier kind of making his ranks up the, up the chain to becoming the emperor and, and, and what happens afterwards. Okay. Check. It covers all the hits, all of the hits of the Napoleon saga. Um, and it does so in a, I think relatively entertaining way. Although i never found the film to be very extraordinary. I never found anything about the film to be something that I felt like was, extremely interesting or something that really captivated me or kept my attention at much. I did find myself tending to kind of drift off a little bit in this film. I did find myself kind of being a little curious about some of the historical relevance of what I'm seeing on the screen, but less involved and less engaged with what was actually being presented on the screen. So I'm not going to, I mean, I think this movie is good. I have a hard time saying it's anything more than good because I do feel like it just doesn't, and I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know if it's the actual main character of Napoleon. I kind of struggled with a little bit. And maybe that's part of the point. The purpose is he is a, he was a more difficult person to kind of pin down and, and personify. I, I found his, the performance of Joaquin Phoenix's performance in Napoleon to be a little, a little haphazard. There seemed to be like, okay, here's a little bit of, we're going to, we're going to give him a little bit of the personality, like the character he played in gladiator for a little bit. Now we're going to give him this personality of like another character. I've seen Joaquin Phoenix play in another movie. I never really feel like I got a sense of Napoleon as an actual person in this film. And that's, I, I don't know if I, I don't blame Joaquin Phoenix for that because I think he seemed to be performing with what he was given fairly well. I just wonder if the script really had a good idea of how to really give him how to really give him a presence on screen that we could connect to. And I had, a, I guess that was probably my biggest takeaways. I just didn't feel like I connected enough with the main character that we spend 90% of the runtime with during this film. Um, but it was, I mean, look, the battle scenes are excellently shot and done. I think there are moments where I think the film does have a pulse and some energy, but a lot of it just, it was just kind of hitting, hitting the, the paint by numbers. Let's, let's show how this happened and let's show how this happened. And now let's talk about how you did this. And uh, I just, it would have been nice to have a little bit more. You equated it back to gladiator and, you know, yes, I granted gladiator is a fictional story based in a reality, but it has a lot of the same elements, but there was a real, there was a real sense of uh, uh, understanding the characters and kind of connecting with the characters in gladiator. I just don't think we had here. Uh, The spectacle was there. We still had the same, visual spectacle that we had in, in his other war films. But I think it was just the connecting to the characters. I never quite, I never quite got. So that, that's, that's my takeaway. I did appreciate it, uh, but I'm not, I'm not super high on it. So Chris, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this film. What would you think of uh, Napoleon? It, it sounds like you and I are overall on the same page, which could make for a boring review. Sorry, listeners. But I, I think, my opinion, you know, if you want I, me to. I, I loved it. I thought it was the best movie. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, it was all right. I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, I think Joaquin seems sleepy, yeah, as well as his character Napoleon, and maybe he's bored. Maybe because Napoleon was bored. Um, I was bored, which I was surprised by. Not that Phoenix. Yeah. I'm not saying Phoenix does a bad job. It's just that his portrayal wasn't interesting to me, and so therefore. It wasn't. It, it didn't keep me interested in the film, and that's something I would have never thought I would say about one of his performances. Because usually, what he's doing is is interesting. 
And this, like, a lot of times his eyes barely seem, well, sometimes they were completely closed as if he was yeah. sleeping. And I think that was, was kind of mocking Napoleon as being a, a lazy leader or whatever, but that just made me sleepy. And then sometimes his eyes are barely open when he's talking, yeah. like he's about to fall asleep. And that well, just, yeah. And I get it. If that's the character that they want to portray, I, I, if that's the, who we're supposed to connect with that, I, I, I actually didn't mind that as much, but then there would be moments where he seemed kind of silly and goofy and kind of uh, just a very different character. And it's like, okay, I, I'm not really sure I'm quite getting who we're supposed to believe Napoleon is from this. Um, so yeah, I, but I agree with you. It was a, I mean, he himself, it was a quote, boring performance of a, of for Joaquin Phoenix, definitely compared to most other things we've seen him do. And if that was a, if that was a trait of the main character that we're supposed to connect with, okay, so be it, but it does make for a tougher viewing experience in a film like this. Um, the main person we're connecting with, they themselves seeming like they don't really want to be in the movie. <laughs> so, you know, so it's a right, right. Yeah. Just dis- disinterested. And may, like, again, like we're saying, we're, maybe that is the, that is the person that they're trying to put. Maybe yeah. that is Napoleon. They're trying to portray him as kind of a bore, a disinterested, detached person who at times is a bit of a clown. Yeah. Which kind of, a, you know, some of the behavior that he has is kind of silly and you're like, okay, maybe that's the person, but it just, just seemed really kind of, Odd, but not in an interesting way, I guess. Um, and we're not, I'm not did saying, you, I don't think we're, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say, did you find there to be a lot more humor in the film? Almost like in a mocking way at times. Yes. I was really surprised at how kind of, I don't know, it's not, silly is not the word, but it's, it's, it's almost lampooning at times. Not only Napoleon, but the 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 French, the 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 army. The I mean, there just seems to be a lot of it's a lot of tongue in cheek, kind of uh, jabbing at the characters and 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 playing playing for some subtle laughs at times, a lot more than I expected. And uh, well, I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel I've felt the same way, and I think from what I've heard, internet buzz and talking to some fellow uh, North Carolina film critics. They were saying that um, I've heard that like basically the opinion of Napoleon upon the French people is they don't they don't a lot a lot of them I think they're saying don't like him mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't mm-hmm. have a very high opinion of him. Um, so this film, yeah, is just kind of making him yeah lampooning him, and that's not what I expected. I don't know what I expected. Well, I guess I expected yeah. what you and I thought. You know? <laughs> and so right. yeah, to see a film that's kind of showing him as a kind of a bore and not necessarily a good leader. And then also as kind of a, a goof sometimes mm-hmm, when you're just mm-hmm. like, what? And it, yeah, it makes him look silly. So I wasn't expecting that. And I just, I guess there wasn't enough of it to keep me interested, I guess, but there were yeah. some, it, there was more of it there than I thought there would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say that that was probably something that at least kept my attention a little bit more in the film is the <laughs> fact that it, sure. th- it was, th- the performance was a little more haphazard and the tone got to be a little bit more all over the place than I expected there to be in a very straightforward historical drama like this. Um, so that at least was intriguing. Well, that, that kept my attention. I'll say for the most part, but, um, yeah, well, I, I'd say me, I think the quirkiness of the film at moments, at very very select moments, as as the, the film let let a little weirdness fly, and I appreciated that just to kind of mix it up a bit. And then I think the battle scenes were just 
technically speaking, very impressive to watch. Those were the two elements of the film that I think kept me engaged. Everything in between that, the more standard biopic uh, tropes and the, the, the kind of the, the, the real uh, sleepy performances and anything <laughs> in between the battle scenes was kind of a, it was a little bit more of a chore to get through with this. So, Well, let, let me kind of tag teaming a little bit on that. Yeah. Let me say that, um, which was occurred, the thought occurred to me while you were talking there. Um, maybe before I get on, I want to get to some positives because I do have some, but you sure. mentioned some, so I do want to mm-hmm. get to some positives that I have. But maybe, even though I like Ridley Scott a lot, big fan of his, which is why I was really looking forward to this film, and I think I would agree, quick positive, that his handling of the battle scenes was amazing, and I'll get into mm-hmm. some details on why I thought that later. They really were. But, yeah. may, but maybe, and he did not write the script on this, um, he, he was the director but didn't write the script. The script was written by uh, David Scarpa. David so Scarpa. Maybe this would have been better directed by somebody else. And here's why I say that. I think really was great for the battle scenes, the epic nature. He'd worked with Joaquin before. Yeah, all all that says yes. Give the green light. However, maybe the instances of buffoonery and lampoonery Mm -hmm. and the sleepiness or whatever, maybe that would have been better handled by somebody who was more of a satirist. Does that make sense? And so, like, completely agree. And maybe that would have helped or it would have worked better for me. This film does is working for a lot of people. A lot of people really like, so think it's one of the best of his career. Which okay, you know, um, so maybe it would have worked better with another director. Not saying really he's a terrible director. Not saying he did a terrible job, but maybe it would have worked better for me with another director. Um, okay, so now well, what to- ideal ideal situation, Chris, is you split okay. between two directors. Let Ridley Scott direct all of the action war sequences. Okay. And okay. then give somebody else to do all of the off the battlefield scenes where you can really be explore more of the satire and, and more of the commentary on, on Napoleon as a leader. That would be a perfect movie. Cause I do love these war scenes and I'll tell you, I, the battle scenes no. are expertly done. I don't know if anybody else could have done them as well. I mean, they just, that's right up Ridley Scott's wheelhouse and uh, I wouldn't trade those for anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I'll start, you know, I'll expand on that positive that I do have about the film first, since, you know, I kind of alluded to it. You just mentioned it, mm-hmm. the battle scenes. Um, I liked the one it's, I don't want to ruin it, even though it's shown in the trailer, but um, which I hadn't really paid attention to the trailer. So seeing it in the movie, I was like, whoa, um, the battle sequence that has to do with a surprise element utilizing what appears to be an open field. And I'll yeah. just kind of leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was a really great battle sequence. Um, the one towards the end of the film, hence the name mm-hmm. of this, the battle, uh, Waterloo, <laughs> which everybody knows what happened at Waterloo. Um, yeah. I thought that was really engaging and I really mm-hmm. like that. So that's two big standout pieces that I really, really, really yeah. liked. Um, I'll say as well, uh, Vanessa Kirby, I think she's a really strong actress. Um, mm-hmm. I liked what little she was able to do in this. And I, I think it was very little and mm-hmm. I'm surprised. And you know, it's just, it's a twist in the script that they didn't make more of the Napoleon Josephine relationship as being one sided. If that was yep. the case or mm-hmm. make the case that it was a reciprocal relationship, if that mm-hmm. was true, because I was kind of left wondering about that. And maybe that, you know, it's like, is she just using him as a tool and make yeah. that very clear 
or because the letters that were coming to him made it seem like she did care. So I'm like, okay, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is there. So oh, I feel I, 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 I'm with you completely. I think the relationship here, I feel like we, we saw a greatest hits version of this relationship and we didn't see enough to give us any true sense of what this relationship was. It showed us just the moments you needed to see to advance the plot and to make things happen. But we never, I, I don't feel like we ever got a sense anything deeper of this relationship. And that's important because this relationship drives a fair amount of this movie and fair amount of Napoleon's, um, his actions throughout the film. But I feel like it was kind of a, okay, here's the scene where they meet. All right, now here's the scene where they are. They start courting. Now here's the scene where they're married. Now here's the scene where other things happen. It's like, okay, you're just showing me the bare minimum I need to see in this relationship to get anything out of it. And it's not enough to support his um, almost devout fanaticism towards her at times. And we never got enough to understand really how she felt about him, like you said, because uh, we're we're throwing a lot of different pieces of information about who she is as a person, but we never got to explore it enough to really, really understand where she was. Um, so I'm with you. I thought her performance was great, but it was very, it was very minimal in, in the grand scope of things. I mean, she's on screen a, a good bit, but for a two and a half hour movie where she is almost a co-lead in some places or should be a co-lead mm-hmm. in many parts of the film as, as, as important as her character is to this plot um, and to the story. Uh, she's really not on screen that much um, to justify to justify that. So um, I'm with you on that completely. I and I, you know, not to I don't want to veer away from the pod, but yeah. So that was frustrating that she didn't have more to do, but that was a positive. I did okay. enjoy her performance. Vanessa Kirby so in general is a positive. That's yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, other attributes of the film, which you would expect from a period piece done by a capable director, um, the costuming the mm-hmm. cinematography of the landscapes, oh, yeah. the palaces that you see in the different setting. Yeah. All those were just, you know, eye it's, candy for people that like absolutely, pieces. Yeah. It's an absolutely beautiful movie. Um, yeah. I never would have thought that watching cannonballs fire would have been so <laughs> exhilarating, but he totally did make it that way. Uh, there's an opening sequence. Uh, the very first scene where it's a, kind of trying to repel some, some British forces from a port and it's firing upon giant ships out in the water with cannons. And it's just, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, there's just all the action sequences I thought were really, really impressively done. So, and like you said, the visual look of everything else, just the whole scenery, everything seemed felt very authentic. Um, and, and with the work they put into it and the production design. So, yeah. Were there any other performances that you wanted to call out other than the Joaquin Phoenix and I guess kind of a co-lead Vanessa Kirby? Um, because I have one that I'll, I have one that I'll mention that was kind of a surprise to me, but um, if you have any that you wanted to mention, I wanted to let you chime in on that. I, not any particular I want to call out. I mean, there's a lot of characters in this film and, and just like a typical yeah. historical drama, there's a lot of names, a lot of people. Sometimes it can get a little confusing. Sometimes people, look and sound the same and have similar names. I will say the one that surprised me um, was Rupert Everett as the Duke of Wellington. Oh, hey. which I thought was, was that, was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was surprising. I, he played uh, a little different part than I expected. And uh, I thought was really good. Um, played a little bit against type what we've normally seen him do. And uh, 
he was he was he was really good. That's the only one I'm going to call out. Everybody was good. I mean, it's a well acted film, but I will say that was a little bit more of an interesting standout for me. Was that that was the one you were thinking of, Chris? So you have just read on my notes <laughs> on, mm. on the on the three call outs I was or the yeah I, I was definitely going to mention him. It was such the thing where I knew I'm not granted I I'm not, I'm not I like Rupert Everett okay you know I think he's good in this episode. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, and I hadn't seen him in a while, maybe since the Julia Roberts days of doing things. <laughs> so it'd been a while. Yeah. And I saw his face and his character. I'm like, I recognize this person, <laughs> but I have no idea who he is. And then, like, the credits came out. I'm like, oh, of course that's yeah. who that is. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess because he's playing against type and you just don't yeah. expect to see him in that kind of role. And yeah, I, I really, that was like you mentioned unexpected bits of humor kind of like woke you up a little bit and kept you a little engaged when other things were kind of not doing that for you. The battle scenes kept you engaged. Seeing him, I think he comes really integral into the Waterloo thing. I oh, think yeah. that's where he's yeah. yeah, yeah. The and whole, that, his that kind of like during the Waterloo battle was very it, it was I mean I, I hate using the word fun when talking about a performance during a wartime uh battle where you know thousands sure. died. But his performance was really entertaining. I, I felt like and and interesting during during that whole Waterloo sequence. So, uh, uh, and the post uh, afterwards. So, um, yeah, he was good. He was really good. I'll say something that kind of kind of is a summary on uh, my feelings of the film. And I guess I thought it was good. I thought it was an okay film. Um, I will say, and it was definitely challenged my expectations of what I thought I was going to get just as a film, and then what I thought I was going to get as a representation of Napoleon himself. And one of the things that, you know, you hear about Napoleon, I always thought he was supposed to be this great leader and a successful, I guess, war person. Yes, he did win mm. battles. But at the end, they throw up these, you know, titles and they say like, this battle, this many lives lost, this battle, this many, and you get to realize like, whoa, you know, he, and some some battles won, but this is how many lives were lost. Some battles lost, and this is how, so like just the sheer body count under his. And you're like, wow! And kind of like you're saying it instead of saying, "Look at how great a military leader." And it's like, yeah, look at look at all the lives that were lost due to his. Leader. So I, that was kind of shocking and very you know a somber kind of end note to the film. Yeah. It was just I, I was not expecting that. So. Well, and that's, and that's also part of the, I mean, it's a little bit of part of the issue with the tone of the film for me is that hmm. it, it played the, a little bit of the buffoonery. It played a little bit of the ridicule that he brought upon himself. Um, and it was a little, even near the Waterloo scene, it's like, I mean, watching the Duke of Wellington kind of watch Napoleon lead from the other side and just... It, it it was a little more satirical, and then but the, then you come to a closing where it's like, oh, but by the way, hundreds of thousands of people died under his under his leadership. So you know, just remember that. It, it, that's where I think, right. obviously, you know, you're telling the story of Napoleon. These are the facts. This is the way it, it was. It's just, um, sure. it did make the tone a little interesting throughout the film because you'd go from extreme uh, um, uh, severity of loss of life in a, in a, a violent war sequence that, you know, Napoleon was directing and kind of was able to throw a lot of bodies uh, uh, kind of at, at, 
out into the uh, the war field and, and not not seeming to have much of a thought about it. And right. then you see him, you know, getting goofy with his his wife, uh, you know, either trying to get pregnant or trying to seduce her. And it's it's the tone just kind of was all over the place between those two those two ends. And uh, not to say that made the film bad. It didn't. It, it definitely kept my attention more that way. But I do think that I, I go back to your comment. I think you're right. And I think if somebody else had directed this, it had a better handle on satire and more, I don't know, someone who made a, who, what was the film um, that we both really love? Uh, the, um, the one about when, um, uh, um, shoot. Oh my gosh. I cannot it's remember. A, it's, a, it's a historical film. Historical, but it's a, it's a satire comedy uh it had oh my blackberry no 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 like an older uh death of, stalin. Period death of death of oh, stalin sure okay okay that to me is a tone where it's like all right look we can present history but we're also going to explore the ridiculousness of some of these individuals or some of the the buffoonery of some of these people that kind of tone i think meshed with this i think would have worked a little bit better and here I just don't. I just don't think Radley Scott. That's quite his wheelhouse. So he he didn't really feel the need to dip into that too much. And uh, that um, is that is an that is an excellent um, observation because yeah, I agree that film and dealing with Stalin, a figure that is you know reviled, <laughs> yeah. um, had a lot of accomplishments that he was able to do. You know, good bad, but he was able to make them happen. Um, but yeah, the way they took humor and gave that look at it. And made the Stalin look silly, and made the leaders around him look silly. Yeah, that was executed much better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's that's a mm. good good point. Yeah, <laughs> that would be an, that would be a much more interesting take on the Napoleon story than this. And this is it was almost like trying to take let's take a story that has a lot of issues with the lead character, the the main character Napoleon. Uh, let's take all of his foibles, all of his quirks, and. Uh, um, a little bit of that quote buffoonery that we've talked about, but we're going to force it into a very high budget, big Ridley Scott action movie. And it's like, that's what this film was. And it's like, it, it, it did feel like it's a different type of film forced into a formula film that um, wasn't always a perfect match for the content. So uh, entertaining enough to where I'm going to say, I think this was a good movie and I do Sure. appreciate many many elements of it but it just as a whole piece of work was was a little unsatisfying um so yeah i i agree i think a ridley scott what you would assume and maybe he would have been better equipped to do a ridley scott film would have been to show maybe his failings as a leader and show how his strategies weren't working and so so show him as not the great leader that maybe some people think he is and show him as a fool, but not mm-hmm. as a buffoon, you know, show, show him as not being a good military leader and let that, and like his failings come to rise because of how you're showing them not making light of it, I guess, in a way that would have yeah. been a more, and maybe a better suited Ridley Scott angle. maybe. I, for him. I, I think so as well. I think so. But look, I'll, I'll come out and still say, I, I think, uh, I think the movie's worth seeing for the spectacle of it alone. The visuals, the, the production design, the, the 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 action sequences, the like you said, the costumes, the buildings, the sure. sets, all of that makes it a worthwhile watch for sure. I am intrigued to watch this movie again, mainly for those elements of the film. 
but I'm less in, in, intrigued to want to see the film again for the actual story <laughs> and for the right. actual, you know, yeah. Um, character development that happens. So. And add add me to the long line of people that'll say, you know, support the movies. If you like, you know, if you're interested in this movie, go see it in a theater because it is going to, yeah. Is it currently available on Apple TV plus or is it going no, to be? Not yet. It will be available on okay. Apple TV plus for streaming very soon. I'm guessing maybe okay. by the end of the month, by the end of December, it might be. Uh, but it's, it was still playing in, in, in movies as or theaters. Okay. As of now, so. and, that, and that's, I would recommend if you're interested in it at all, go see it on the big screen, because I think it would benefit from the sound and the visuals oh, and everything, yeah. having this huge screen. Like, you know, we, I mean, we're broken records. We're film critics. Of course we want to encourage you to go to the theater if you feel safe doing so. But um, I, I think it, you know, these epic type films really obviously benefit from that big screen experience. So yeah. If, Although I will say, I agree with you. I would I always encourage people to go to the theater to see films like this. I ended up watching this in my own home. Uh, okay. with a, a screener copy that I had available. And luckily sure. I've got a pretty good setup for watching movies and sound, but it is funny because the theater is right underneath uh, where my, my boy, uh, my son's home from school and he sleeps upstairs and I'm watching this very late at night last night. And I'll tell you what, between cannon fire and uh, yeah, the cannon fire alone is super loud. So I kept, uh, I kept I'm afraid I kept him up a little bit later than uh <laughs> Than expected, but, uh, yeah, that's the one drawback of watching something like this at home. So not for sure. Yeah, but it's definitely a theatrical experience. I, I, I absolutely encourage people to check that out that way as well. All right. Well, that is Napoleon again, directed by the great Ridley Scott, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby. Chris and I are both saying it's worth a watch. Uh, definitely a good theatrical experience, but I think we both came away with some, some unsatisfying elements to it that just made it kept it from being a great film. So um, yeah. I think that's fair to say, right? Yes. Fair enough. I am a much bigger fan of gladiator. I am a much bigger fan of the last duel, even uh, more recent, the Ridley Scott film I thought was better. Um, I think this is better than kingdom of, is it kingdom of heaven that he did kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. very comparable yeah. type of film scope wise. I do feel like this was better than that. I, that was one I didn't care for very much or didn't work for me as much. So it's, it's up there. I mean, and, and Ridley Scott in recent years, what else has he done? That's, I mean, last duel was really good. Uh, one of the, the films best films done. ever made Prometheus. Oh yeah. But that was like, that was probably a good, what? Seven, eight that years was a ago. couple of years ago. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, he still makes good, great classic films. Oh, Um, absolutely. And this one is not a a downgrade on his filmography. This is just a, you know, it's a worthy entry, but not, not one of his finest. I think so. Well, last, last duel, I will say after last duel, I'm glad that he had this film, which is getting a lot more push because even though I think last duel was a better film, um, it seemed like that kind of came and went. There wasn't a lot of attention given to it. Critics liked it, but it kind of came and went out of theaters and wasn't that big of a deal. Whereas this one's getting a much more prestigious treatment, which it's got Walking Phoenix. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's at least getting noticed as a director. So again, well, I'm getting appreciated. But we did forget that there was actually a movie between The Last Duel and Napoleon, and that was House of Gucci. Oh, Yes, I did mention that. And I, okay, okay. (laughs) 
interestingly enough, yeah, um, I will say that I think I am in the outlier category. I mm-hmm. liked House of Gucci. Um, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I, 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 I liked it. I mean, I think certain things were crazy about it, but it, and that, and actually, that was, especially with uh, Jared Leto's character. Mm-hmm. You, know, you talk about buffoonery on screen and lampooning in a way. So I guess in that sense, that's maybe that's what gave me the idea. Like, okay, now I'm going to take that idea and kind of apply it to Napoleon. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I'd totally forgotten that one. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I guess you didn't care for House of Gucci. I don't <laughs> not remember. as much. We talked about it on the show. I, I was not not as big on it. Um, gotcha. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that is Ridley Scott. Uh, he has actually got a couple projects upcoming. You already mentioned uh, Gladiator Two is in development. Did they I don't, think it's with- they don't. They don't have an actual title for that, right? Gladiator like, Two. That that's it. Okay. No, that, that that that's the working title. I don't, I'm. I okay. imagine they'll Come do on. something different Surely. than just Gladiator Two, but it is supposed to have uh, <laughs> Paul Mescal, right? So in it. Uh, yes, he is mm-hmm. uh, Commodus's son. I believe yeah. is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. The only other film he's attached to as director that's not a TV show right now is uh, a film called Queen and Country. That's very early in development. So we'll see what happens with those. All right. Well, that is, uh, st- that is Napoleon. Wait. I still hold out hope that he's going to make another alien movie. I don't think he is, but I hold out hope for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if you can hold out hope. It's not on his upcoming list. And the dude is 80, what? 86 years old. He's so. 86. I mean, look, he's got, he's all still got it. He, I mean, oh, impressive sure. movie he put together, but uh, if he's got, uh, he's got two films and then two TV series like in production right now that he's attached to. Well, I don't know if, uh, don't know if he's going to have time to squeeze in an alien before too long. So we'll see. Sure. Okay, Chris, that is Napoleon uh, in theaters right now and should be on Apple TV plus here soon. Probably in the next few weeks, I'm assuming. Uh, Let's take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a trailer review and a discussion. And then also Chris has a recommendation of a film he thinks we ought to check out over the holiday season here if you're looking for something to watch and catch up with. So we'll be right back with Foot Candle Films here in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Hello, and welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry, both with the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. Uh, We had our review of the film Napoleon, which... Uh, just a little background notes during the break. Chris and I had decided we're in the three star category on Napoleon three, maybe three and a half for me at three, three and a half, I think is the right range of where we are on a five star scale. I think it's important to have these metrics, Chris, that we have to kind of hold ourselves accountable for and numbers. People love the numbers. They love the star rating. So that's where we are. Go on letterbox, follow us and you'll see any of the films we're watching and Chris normally will have more entertaining things to write or say about the films. I do not. I just hit the star button and I pretty much am done with my reviewing process at that time. Uh, so I, I admit I'm not as good a follow on letterbox as Chris is, but definitely uh, we encourage you to come join both of us on that letterbox service. Uh, Chris will remind you about it at the end of the show again. So, all right, Chris, uh, I did want to talk about a film 
that I just saw the trailer for this week. It was just released. Uh, it okay. is a A24 film, which right away, we like A24. That's one of our favorite studios for putting out films. And I also understood that it was a film from director Alex Garland. Now, we last discussed Alex Garland's film Men on this show, uh, starring Jesse Buckley last year, which I really liked uh, quite a bit. Um, we discussed, we have discussed his other films, including Annihilation and Ex Machina. And I think, was there another one I'm missing or is that it? That might've been the three that we, the three feature films he's done. Yeah. Yeah. All three critically acclaimed films. uh, Each, I think uh, a little, always a little hard to wrap your head around. Sometimes his films, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to process, especially in men. We, we, we worked through a little bit of what the film maybe was meaning and what its symbolism stood for and, and so forth. So color me a little surprised when I saw that this film was, was coming out. So I think it's coming out in April and the trailer just came out. Uh, it is a action epic film is how it's being labeled in the promotional materials. And it's called civil war. Okay. Then the idea behind civil war is that it's set in the very near future. And the United States itself has split where into two factions of States and a true civil war has broken out. Now there are, um, there's a, yes. Yeah. 19 States supposedly you hear in the trailer have succeeded from the United States and kind of formed their own part of the nation. And there's an actual civil war, warring between the two sides, people trying to, I think the plot of the film has to do with uh, uh, the lead actors uh, played by uh, Kristen, Kirsten Dunst is having to try to travel to the white house or to get to the white house for some reason, having to go through different territories and areas of the country that are occupied by now another faction. And it's a, it sounds like right away, it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a very typical action movie. I think any number of people and directors would have made or could make nowadays. Uh, and it's obviously something that's gotten a lot of buzz because unfortunately with as politically divided as our country is and all, you always hear these little rumblings of, oh, what if these, what if certain states broke away and created their own? All right. Well, we're nowhere near that. I don't think as a country, but this film is now posi- positing, you know, what happened if this, this would happen. I was just very surprised to hear Alex Garland as the director of this film. Now I'm going to show you the trailer and we'll kind of walk away from that and say, does it seem like there's something more here? That is something that Garland's able to chew on and make interesting. Or is he really, is he really cashing in and being like, okay, fine, I'm going to make just a big action movie and it's going to be a movie people want to see and pay money to come, come check out. Uh, let's watch the trailer and, and I want to hear your thoughts about it afterwards. Okay. Okay. All right. So here's the trailer for civil war. 19 states have seceded. The United States Army ramps up activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly. Let me know if you want to try anything on. I'm guys aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America. We just try to stay out. With what we see on the news, seems like it's for the best. Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military. 
Mr. President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? Whoa. <laughs> so I that was the trailer. Actually, we, can we pause the recording? I think I need to go to some therapy, and then we can pick back up after I get back from therapy. Okay. Yeah, just let me know when you need that, uh, when you're back from that. Yeah, that was the trailer for Civil War. I uh, Tell me your thoughts, Chris. I, uh, I'm intrigued so, for a couple of reasons, but I want to hear your thoughts. Sure. Um, well, I, 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 I said what I said once we immediately came back because, yeah, um, that, the trailer shows a lot. I think it is going to be a very pointed film from Alex Garland. Not that when he makes his film, he doesn't always have a point or doesn't have like an agenda or they can't be seen as political. But obviously this one looks to be very pointed about, like you mentioned in the intro, the divided state of our country and the links to which that could escalate. And at one point, some of the words they put up on screen as all trailers with that kind of music usually do, um, all empires fall or something something that affects something about empires falling like all great empires fall like you know rome fell and so kind of indicating this is a movie depicting the fall of the united states as a country because of the division um plus the section in there where there's some soldiers and they are questioning some people that obviously they've caught doing something or i'm not sure and they're saying you know one of the the person being kind of interrogator says there must be a misunderstanding. I'm an American. And the question coming back from the soldier is what kind of American are you? And you're like, (laughs) okay. So, so um, it, it is troubling. Obviously the movie is troubling. Uh, I am interested to see it. It does look like it's going to have some things going on, but it looks like it'll be what they refer to as a tough sit, (laughs) at least for me at this moment. You know, a lot of people would say, why do I want to go? I mean, granted, this is hopefully, as you alluded to, something that is an extreme version or, you know, of what we are experiencing mm-hmm. as far as divisions. And it's kind of a what if type movie. Um, but it, I think it may be a lot of hard, a hard set for a lot of people because, like, why do I want to watch something like that when I'm already worried about it? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, already like thinking about these things constantly. But I mean, Alex Garland, obviously very capable. Um, Nick Offerman looks to be, I guess, the president, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that's, that's the um, impression I get, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you already mentioned Kirsten Dunst, so looks looks interesting. Um, hopefully, I will be, you know, uh, we have the holidays coming up. Maybe that'll, you know, regenerate some happiness you know, so that I will be able to kind of go into what looks to be a very dark action thriller type movie. So, yeah. yeah. So what, what, what are your thoughts on? No, no, I just, I was curious about it because I, uh, it's not a film I expected Alex Garland to make. I mean, even when he did a quote, like some element of an action movie, I guess you could say annihilation had some elements of that at times. There was still a lot more going on beyond just it being a, a action thriller. This one, the premise of look again, I, I could see any, any uh, first time director or anybody who's just uh, typically known for doing a lot of very uh, either lower budget uh, action movies or kind of the dime a dozen, like a Nick cage movie that we've got. That's one of those <laughs> movies he just does like to pay, make his paychecks. Um, sure. That is the vibe I get at times, but then there's just enough in the trailer to say, 
all right, I, I, I know that this is going to go a little deeper and have a little bit more to say than just, oh, it's we're all split now and people are fighting against each other. It's a race to the White House to get there to save the day or whatever it's going to be. So I know it's going to be more than that. I know there's going to be something deeper. I thought the trailer is it's a it's a fun trailer to watch because it does ramp up a lot of tension and it and the the shots all look really impressive and amazing um i just, i hope this is not garland doing a paycheck movie it's, i guess is what i'm just trying to say it's just you know hey let's tap into something in the zeitgeist right now the the social commentary and let's make it an action movie out of it and people will come see it and pay money to see it and that's it so so something that i i think which yeah just a general movie that's going to be dark and depressing an action movie you know that's going to hit on what you're saying we think this movie is going to be about from the title civil war something that makes me think that this is what's going to give it the stamp of an Mm -hmm. alex garland film that little deeper level is that kirsten dunst character i think is a journalist or like a wartime photographer and she has that line of dialogue where she says you know, all the times I go reporting over to other countries, I feel like I'm sending warnings back home. It's like, don't let this happen to us. And mm-hmm. like, so then the realization of instead of, for instance, an Israel Gaza situation happening, you know, over there, she's documenting that. Now she is in her own country and she is seeing her country have that kind of division and separation and never, or she said, I, I send it as a warning or whatever. So, yeah, and I think that may be kind of, that may be the Garland-esque, Garland-esque of this film, is that that's kind of the point he's trying to make is not, oh, this is inevitable, it's going to happen, you know, get depressed, see what you can do to prevent. It's like, hey, look how, look how we have become, we have tried to help other countries not endure. So I I think that Mm -hmm. could be the, could be what he's trying to go for, who knows. I do hope there's something, something deeper there. I got a feeling there will be, and uh, I think this trailer was obviously cut to, to drum up interest and to get people on board. I think this will probably be a bigger hit quote hit box office hit for Alex Garland than I think any of his other previous movies have been. So um, we will see. I'm very, I'm very curious, very, very curious about this film and, and where it goes and, and what, what it looks like at the end of the day. So that is civil sure. war. It's actually coming out April 26th. So it's going to be mm-hmm. uh uh, late spring, very, very early, early summer. I think they consider summer now starting in like early May for the box office season. So um, that'll be coming out soon from A24 writer, director, Alex Garland. Looking forward to it. Okay, Chris, uh, that's enough looking at the future. Let's talk about the present. What is a film that you'd like to recommend that uh, people may want to check out or have an interest in seeing here uh, as we're approaching the holidays or in the thick of the holidays right now, people typically like to watch a little more movies at home. So what's a movie they could actually watch in the comfort of their own home if they choose to that you want to recommend? So I'm going to recommend a documentary. Um, it's about Joan Baez. It's called Joan Baez, I Am A Noise. And uh, we know we talked about Napoleon it being a documentary or not a documentary, but a biopic of this person. Um, Joe Baez is this is a documentary and I found it really interesting and not what I expected. Um, I am not in general a fan. I, I know who she is. I knew that she was folk music and that she had a relationship at some point with Bob Dylan, but that was kind of, that was all I really knew. Um, so 
this documentary, you think, oh, I'm going to go see a documentary and I'm going to learn about her music and everything. And yes, the music is mentioned, but you really, it's interesting because I learned more about like her as a person and not like, and her kind of relationship with fame, but not as much about the fame itself. (laughs) So it was very kind of a confounding documentaries at times. Um, Something that was refreshing is that usually uh, people have quibbles with documentaries that sometimes they feel like because the person, you know, Jen Baez is interviewed in the documentary extensively, um, probably had, you know, she's uh, maybe a producer on the film. No, she's not a producer on the film. But anyway, she she obviously had a lot to do with it, you know, had a hand in it. Um, They feel like it puts this person up on a pedestal and idolizes them a lot. You know, that can be a, a kind of a come down of a documentary. Um, or, you know, biopics, they can have that same flaw sometimes people feel like. I mean, in this, I was really impressed with how the filmmakers and Baez herself kind of told elements of her story and then said, this is kind of my view of it. And I realized that others may have a different view and I'm okay with that. And I'm not stating what Werner Herzog would call like the ecstatic truth. No, this is this is kind of my experience. And it was just a very open documentary and she has you know a very troubled history which i was not aware of there's she had some relationships that didn't work out and there were family problems with her family um and just the way that she's very open about it um i found it surprising and kind of you know people you know it's kind of a bad word now because people give this label to lots of people or you know things in a uh, just a not a nice way but I thought the bravery of being willing to let this documentary come out of as like a warts and all type thing, I thought was pretty interesting. So I, I'm going to recommend it. It's not, um, you can rent it. It's on for VOD. The directors are actually three directors, Karen O'Connor, Mary Nevesky, and Maeve O'Boyle. Um, and I think maybe possibly, because we are screening this for our film society, the reason there are three uh, filmmakers or three directors is because ostensibly, and a lesser documentary might have done this, she is going on what she thinks is going to be her farewell tour, which she has waited for a while to do it. And she's like, no, I think it's time. I'm going to go on this farewell tour. Okay. For most, or for a lot of other documentaries, that would have been the documentary is just showing her playing a bunch of live shows and on the bus in between. And it would have been very service and very flashy. They use that framework kind of ending it close to when she does her final show in New York. But there's so much more there. And what was surprising is that it's not all about her music and showing like the highs and lows. It's really just examining her as a person or something. It's just, it's really interesting. I think some fans of Joan Baez may go see this and kind of be disappointed because it doesn't kind of relive her highlights, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, But I, I found it to be very interesting as just a, extremely well-made documentary yes maybe it's lacking in showing you know how she wrote songs or why she became famous or some of her you know letting me know like i i still don't really know a lot of like i could maybe only name one or two songs and that's how many Mm -hmm. songs i could name going into the film so when you see a documentary an almost two-hour documentary you would think you would walk away with being able to list maybe a couple or more um but that I don't think that's a shortcoming. I think it's just a very interesting documentary, not probably for everyone. But I think if you are yeah. 
interested in Joan Baez, even just as a person or as a musician. Maybe you won't get that much more out of it as a musician, but um, I recommend uh, Joan Baez. I'm a noise. Alan, you had a chance to see this as well. What yeah. What might you say about it? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, 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 I did appreciate it. I did agree. It was a very different documentary than I was expecting. Um, I think anybody going into it wanting to know all about the musical career and the ups and downs of her music career and inspirations for songs or, or something like that. They're not going to get that, that, that is not what this film's really interested in. It's a very small part of this film. This is a lot digging into her family relationships, uh, the impact those relationships had on her later on as an adult and uh, some of the struggles she found herself facing later on in life. So it's a lot more about that, but I mean, it's still very interesting from that regard. Just, I do want to kind of caution. It's not your typical musical music bi- um, uh, biopic of a performer. I don't feel like I learned anything new about her as an entertainer, as a musician. I did learn a lot more about her as a person, but not the side of it you would expect to know. So, um, but it's, well, good. it's very, I, it's very yeah. well done though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I, you know, that's why I like. I feel like I don't know song titles and all that kind of stuff. But I will say the one, the most interesting music aspect thing that I did learn about her is something that I thought I knew going in. Um, I, you know, familiar with Bob Dylan, and you, I knew going in that she'd had a relationship with him. What I didn't really get as not being a child of the times when they were both really active was that having seen Don't Look Back and having been more familiar with Dylan, I always thought it was Dylan and Joan Baez was kind of a hanger on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, not that I'm saying Dylan was a hanger on to Joan Baez, but, and there again, maybe it's some of the icon building of this film and it's done in a very subtle way, but it's like she, my understanding from the film at least is that she actually kind of helped him Mm-hmm. kind of get his start and stuff. And I had no idea about that. So that was, mm-hmm. that was interesting. And it wasn't like rammed in your face. Like, Oh, if it wouldn't have been for her, he would have, no, 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 no. She's very complimentary about his talent. So, you know, but it's, so that, that is something that I learned, did learn in yeah. that respect. So Agreed. No, it was, it was, it was good. I definitely appreciated it. And uh, it's uh, definitely a, a worthwhile documentary to check out if somebody's interested. So good. All right. Well, that is Joan Baez. I am a voice. It is available for on video on demand. You can rent it right now on any of the movie platforms that you may rent movies from time to time. I don't think it's streaming anywhere um, on a streaming service, but uh, for $6, you can rent the film and it's a, uh, it's a worth a worth a $6 rental. Definitely a good watch. Um, interesting watch for sure. Okay, Chris. So I think that wraps us up for today. So we had our review of Napoleon, which we were both favorable on just not enthusiastic about uh we talked about the new alex garland film coming out in april called civil war and then we had our recommendation of joan baez i am a voice as always chris if anybody has any feedback for us thoughts questions anything they want to comment on how can they uh, get a hold of us here so uh you can send an email to info at footcandle.org you can follow us on Twitter at Foot Candle Film, Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society, Instagram threads, just simply Foot Candle Film. Alan did mention earlier, we are on Letterboxd, and that's without that little E there at the end, where we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes. Do us a favor. Uh, if you like the show, which we hope you do, write a review, share with your friends, give us a star rating on whatever service you happen to listen to your favorite podcast on, because 
that'll help us reach new listeners. And uh, we'd appreciate that. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week when we get together here on Foot Candle Films. Take care. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.